0: Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Today we have Stacy Renee. Stacy, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Absolute pleasure. So why don't we start off the show with a brief bio of who you are, what you do, and how you got here?
1: Okay, that's a that's a loaded question. So we'll start. Uh, I'm actually a serial entrepreneur. So I've had five businesses over the last twenty years. Um, currently, I have two businesses, three products, four brands, and, um, and a patent, and one provisional patent. So what we do is we bring new inventions to life with our company that we do now. Everything I do at this point, um, at this stage in my life, is creating business to make a social impact. So we actually, all the business that we're doing right now is focused on how can we make a social impact? How can we make life better for humanity? How can we make a difference um, in the world we live in? But a little bit about more of my history, where, where this comes from. Um, I'll give you the I'll give you the Breeders Digest version. (laughs) I had a really, really great business. We had invented a product that was patented and we were selling it through big box retailers across the United States and in seven other countries. We were running about five million dollars in revenue through that company on an annual basis. And what happened was we ended up getting hit with a lawsuit from an ex-employee. And what happened next completely changed everything about my life. Um, the lawsuit lasted a good four or five years. Subsequent after that was the bankruptcy. Subsequent after that was the divorce, um, losing my husband. So in a matter of about ten years, I lost. I went from the height of success, having the lifestyle that that I had dreamed of, to having not, starting from scratch as a middle-aged single mother. And and I say starting from scratch, but it was actually um, about a half a million dollars in personal debt, um, walking away from that entire situation. So it was completely devastating. And so I had to start completely over. And what happened at that point in time was I decided I had read a book and I don't know if you've read this before, but a book called, um, the surrender experiment by Michael Singer. And have you read that book? I have not, but that sounds interesting. It was a very interesting book. He, he writes this whole book about his life. And he had decided early on that he was just going to surrender to life and follow the path of whatever life brought him. And he would just take the next right step in all of his endeavors. And he ended up having he was a multipreneur. He had he was a serial entrepreneur. So he had several businesses throughout his lifetime. The last one actually went um, public. So it was a publicly traded company. So he had big, big success, all in the state of surrender. And at that point, you can imagine I was beat up pretty good and feeling like, okay, I don't, I'm starting from scratch. How am I going to dig myself out of a half a million dollars in debt? Like that was the big question. Um, And I decided at that moment that resonated for me. So I just said, okay, you know what, I'm going to surrender to life. I'm going to do a surrender experiment of my own because I have nothing to lose. And I went into the surrender experiment. And interestingly, a couple years before that book, I had I've been introduced to human design, which is a system, a wisdom, of system of information that, that gives you a blueprint, an energetic blueprint for who you are and how you're designed to make decisions. And so I was also experimenting with that. And what human design says is that we, if we make decisions with our mind, we're using that conditioned part of who we are. And so if we're bringing something new to life and we can't use the same conditioning that we had from the society of the past so in order to make decisions correctly for me it was using my gut so going with my gut so i started just making decisions with my gut moving forward the next right step according to what my gut said yes or no and i would follow the yeses and turn away from the nose and what ended up happening was nothing short of a miracle and i actually have two businesses now that has resulted from that surrender experiment so that is the fascinating part of my story that i love to share with others because I really believe that we have been taught that we have to go out and make things happen, and I think that there's um, there's something to be said for going with the flow and being in surrender and learning how to do. You know, yes, be ambitious. Yes, you know, have the dream and the vision and the goals, but also go with the flow and pay attention to those instincts and that intuition, because we have more wisdom than what we have been taught to use with just our logical brains.
0: Right. I uh, love that story. I've got to actually read the book myself. I mean, you've caught my attention and my uh, curiosity on it.
1: Yes. uh, I recommend it for every entrepreneur I meet. I recommend that book.
0: Yeah, like it's, uh, it, it sounds incredible, right? I mean, especially, you know, look, I mean, I, I've, went, I've been through the whole bankruptcy thing myself before. I was mm-hmm. very young. I mean, it was um, really, let, let's be frank, it was my ego that led me into that. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I was indestructible, but um, I found success and I found a vast amount of income at uh, as early as age 19. Wow. So when you have that kind of income and then somebody t- tries to tell you what to do, you think you're invincible, indestructible, yeah. and yeah. you uh, react based on that. So, um, and, you know, naturally I, I paid that consequence. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it was very humbling for the lack of a better description. But it's a great education. Oh <laughs> well, yeah, that's for sure. And, and, and ironically, I would not take it back because I would not be who I was today if it wasn't for that experience
1: amen that is that isn't that the truth yeah so i it's, mean like it's those experiences a- that bring the richness and the wisdom and you know the newness that we get after having that experience so you are actually fortunate to have it at such a young age
0: yeah that's true I- i'm not gonna lie um i i've been very blessed i'm not gonna lie i've uh you know, we all have uh, childhood dreams and goals, and uh, usually we have those list of bulletins, uh, you know, bullet form lists of things that we want in life and things that we want to do. And mm-hmm. I've been very, very blessed and fortunate because I've cleared my list. I've done everything I've ever wanted to do as a, uh, you know, a youngster. Um, nice. Now, I've got new goals. Don't misunderstand me. My, the world does not ended. My life isn't over. I'm, mm-hmm. I've got new goals. I've got new objectives. I've got new visions. But... Saying, you know, growing up, we all have these lists and, and I've done that. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Good for you. Kudos to you. Not a lot of people can say that.
0: True. Yeah. So I, I'm very grateful. I'm full of gratitude that way.
1: That's fantastic. And now you can, now you can create and do new things without the pressure and stress of the, the younger days when you're still trying to achieve it all. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So, going with your experience here, so you, you went uh, half a million dollars, um, and it was sparked by a lawsuit. Yes, that's uh, interesting in a sense. Um, not yes. sure. <laughs> not sure if I want to dig into that or not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I can say make sure your contracts are done and they're tight, and they and that you keep the original contracts in a safe and secure location. That's yeah. what I could say about that. Um, but you know, it, we talk about ego and we talk about ego because ego, a lot of us, <laughs> myself included, um, we come in with a lot of ego. We, we're powerful beings. We know we're powerful. We know we can do things. And so um, until that ego is tempered through life, however, it gets tempered, each person is different. Each person has a different curriculum and each person does it at di- a different age and a different stage. But it was it was definitely the ego that kept that that lawsuit going and going and going. And what I learned is lawsuits aren't necessarily about what's right and wrong and what's just and what's unjust. It is a lot of maneuvering. It's a lot of um, manipulation. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff that goes into a lawsuit. And we literally had and I'll just say this. We had an attorney that because we were green. We'd never been involved with the lawsuit before. And we unfortunately had an attorney that took advantage of that. And so he would really just call and just get us all riled up about, you know, we were mad, we were angry. It was not right what was happening to us. And so we, you know, he would spend hours just, you know, start stoking the flame of that emotional fire. And it made the lawsuit last a whole lot longer than it should have or could have had we had uh, someone that just you know, was really logical and said, Hey, look, yeah, it's not right. Yeah. It's not just, and you can fight it. It's going to cost you a lot of money. It's going to take a lot of time and you may or may not win. Um, But we were, so our egos were engaged quite a bit in that fight. And, and then subsequently the divorce. And then there was a whole fight around the divorce and the business and all of the things that went in that. And there was a whole lot of ego. But when I say ego, there was a lot of fear. For me, it was a lot of fear. My ego was filled with fear. So I'm not, it's not like this bold, brave, big, badass ego. It was more of, I'm afraid. And so I'm making decisions out of fear. And for me, that was ego. That's what I consider ego. And so going through the experience that I went through and then going through the surrender experience, what it taught me was that life is actually for us and life brings us what we need if we can let go of that fear and that worry and that doubt, but that fear worry and doubt acts kind of like a block. It's kind of like an umbrella, yeah. like all these good things are coming to us. And if we live in fear and doubt and worry, then we're putting up an umbrella and blocking all the goodness that life has for us. And so that's the one thing I learned and that I was shown through my own personal experience experiment with, with that process.
0: Right, and that, that, you brought up a good point there, right? Like. Uh, life doesn't ha- life can happen to you or for you and it really is your perception of it and and it go- mm-hmm. if you allow the fear to control you and you allow an e- your ego or fear or any form of emotion like anger and you mm-hmm. allow that to control you life mm-hmm. happens to you yes because of that mm-hmm. and and it's like it takes a lot of um, i want to say focus or a lot of focus a lot of drive to be able to overcome that and to move past it and yeah. I, and i guess that's where the book helped you learn
1: yeah the book and the experience of yes. it because you, you could tell me all day long life is for you it's okay relax i i couldn't that's that just wasn't in my it wasn't in my knowledge it wasn't in my database to relax uh, so i was programmed at a young age that Bad things happen and you got to always be looking over your shoulder and, the, you know, the other shoe's always going to drop. And so I was always on high alert for looking what, what, what was going to go bad because I knew things were just going to go bad. So that was my orientation of where I was coming from. So to come out of that and move into this space of like, trusting life and knowing that life is for me, it really took an experiment and it took kind of that magnitude of events transpiring before that. For me to actually surrender and say, okay, now show me and allow myself to go through that process where I could start relaxing and and seeing, you know, it was one, you know, one thing would come and it would work out. And it was like, I didn't even try. I didn't even strategize or figure out how to make that happen. It literally happened to me or for me and so then it was just like then it, there was the next step and it was just a little bit uh, i surrendered a little bit more and i surrendered a little bit more and a little bit more and through time over time seeing that over and over and over consistently that life kept bringing me things that were for me and that i could relax and learn to trust that
0: makes sense so now brings up a good point here right like again you came out uh, like a lot of people would be uh, <sighs> what's the word I want to say? I would kind of say like not very many people would try again for mm-hmm. lack of better description. Some people at that point in time would, uh, take the lesson. Some people hold on anger. Some people don't, some mm-hmm. people learn to move past it. Um, many people would try to just get another job and move on mm-hmm. and kind of give up on entrepreneurship. But yeah, I believe that the success comes after the event. And, uh, and at that point in time, you know, for you, you've created two business. So how did that come about exactly? Like maybe get into what are those businesses and how did you come across them?
1: Sure, sure. I would love to talk about that because you're right. The, um, the first business just, it was complete accident. It was me and three of my friends who are also business owners. We were talking about how lonely it is to be an entrepreneur, how lonely it is to be the business owner, because we can't talk to people about what the situations we're dealing with. If I tell my neighbor or my friend, Oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make my $50,000 payroll on Friday, their eyes just kind of roll back They don't know what to do with that information. Um, I can't talk to my employees about that. Sometimes I can't, you know, some people can't even talk to their spouse about that. So, who, you know, we really are a lonely group of people. And so we decided we were just going to get together once a month and and talk about our businesses and talk about the things we couldn't talk about with anybody else. And so we started meeting together at, at, my, at my dining room table, just the four of us. And each person would get an hour of the group's time and we would just work on each other's businesses together. And a year after doing that for a year, we do it once a month, get together, have a, have a little powwow, and then we drink wine and eat charcuterie boards and visit. After a year's time, every single one of us was completely different. Our confidence level had gone through the roof. Our businesses were on a trajectory that we couldn't even explain. There were so many positive benefits that came from that time together, and it just lit a fire inside of me. And I had this strong desire to bring that to more women. And, and so it was literally a a, a, mass, a a mastermind is what it was. And so then the next year, I just said, well, I'm going to invite more women. And so we, we had invited 12. So then we sat around the table with 12 women. And the same thing happened. And that actually turned into a community of female entrepreneurs that we do masterminds once a month. We do now we have an online community and different things that we're doing and different courses that that I teach and, and things like that. So that all evolved just out of doing what made me happy, doing what lit me up, doing what excited me. The, the other business was very fascinating. One of the women from the 12 person mastermind, her and I got to talking about business and I had the experience of having a, you know, a patented product and into the marketplace. She was, ha- she had a service-based business. And so she was very fascinated with doing products. And so we, we, we would just talk all the time about product-based business and how to do that. And every time I talked to her, I would just get super lit up and excited. And so I, I thought, well, why don't you and I start a business? You want to do a product-based business. I have the experience. Why don't we do this together? And she said, yes. And we said, okay, let's do it. And so that was in, that was in 2020. So we started this company in 2020. The year prior to that, when I was in my surrender experiment, this is an important piece of the story. Uh, before this was even on the table, it wasn't even something I was thinking about. Um, I got an invitation to go to a national club, to join a national club of entrepreneurs and it was $10,000 to join. And they had different meetings, you know, once a month, and then they had a lot of online stuff. And I was really super lit up, like the invitation lit me up. And that's to me, according to my human design, I'm supposed to follow those things that light me up. So I, I was in between businesses, right? And I had a pile of debt, and I didn't have I hadn't replaced my income. And it didn't make sense for me to spend $10,000 at all, logically. But I was in this experiment. And I thought, you know what, I've, Lost so much. Uh, What's ten thousand dollars? I'm gonna I'm gonna do this because I'm gonna see what this surrender is all about and what this is all about. So I wrote the check for ten thousand dollars. I could have paid it monthly, but I didn't want to continue having that conversation with myself month after month after month. I just wanted to be be in it and done. So I I paid the money, went to the first meeting. It was in North Dakota, and met some cool people. Nothing nothing extraordinary happened. Just met a bunch of cool people. Came back home. And went about my business, you know, doing whatever I was doing. And that was that was pretty much the extent of what I got out of that club. Like that one meeting, nothing else lit me up. I, I tried to go into some of the online stuff. It didn't excite me. Nothing else happened with that group. So fast forward a year later, we're having this conversation. So we start this business and we decide, you know, the one of the biggest expenses we're going to have up front is a patent attorney. So we really would love to have a patent attorney partner but trying to find a patent attorney entrepreneur who's willing to give up his time for free in exchange for a business that we're just starting uh, was was a pretty big tall order but it just so happens when i was at the north dakota meeting that very first meeting the very first person that i connected with was uh he was a guy he looked just like my brother and we hit it off famously had a great time but he was an entrepreneur patent attorney and so I called him up and told him what we were doing. And he said, yeah, absolutely. Let's go. I'll be a part of that. So since that time, he's done way more patent work than the $10,000 I spent on the club. And um, now we have, like I said, three, three products, four brands. We have a provisional patent and a patent that just got issued last week.
0: Fantastic.
1: Yes. So it was things like that where invitations would come. Situations would come and I would get lit up. I'd move towards that. And then the next thing would happen. So then I was telling my friend, I'm like, look at this business. We're starting this business. We're doing it for social impact because that's one of the things I decided that I wanted to be focused on is, is creating business that impacts change, positive change in the world. So I'm telling her about these great plans I have to change the world with this business. We're going to be manufacturing products, you know, patented products. She said, okay, well, what, what products are you going to make? And I'm like, well, I haven't gotten that far yet so she just laughed at me. She said, well, I have an idea. And I said, okay, what's your idea? And she said, well, I can never take a big girl bath. And I said, what do you mean you can't take a big girl bath? And she said, well, you know, when I'm sipping my wine and I'm reading my book, I'm drowning because my feet don't reach the end of the tub. And I thought, that's a problem. And there's nothing out there to solve that problem. And she said, nope, there's nothing out there. And so we did some research and found that sure enough, there was nothing out there to solve that problem. And so that's what we did. We filed for a patent and created the world's first and only bathtub footrest for people whose feet don't reach the end of the tub.
0: Well, that's very interesting. Yeah. That's something I would have thought of myself. Um. Right.
1: Right. (laughs) Yes. So that's just how it has unfolded. It's not something I set out and set this five-year business plan. It was like, no, I really like, Hanging out with you. Why don't we go into business together? Okay. Oh, I want to go to this club. Okay. Literally, it was that one thing after the other. My the the biggest part for me and the hardest part for me it it wasn't all sunshine and roses and easy peasy. I don't want to give that impression. It never is. But what I but what I do want to give the impression is is that it was much easier than it than it had. It was much easier than I thought. And the hard work was keeping my mind out of the way because keeping my fearful mind out of the way, because the decisions I was making were scary, right? A check for $10,000 going into business with this woman. I didn't know that. Well, these are all things that my logical mind said, Nope, uh-uh, doesn't make sense. So the hard work for me was letting go of that and reprogramming my mind, allowing my mind to be reprogrammed into the positive.
0: Of course now you brought up a lot of points here, right? Like one, you wrote out a check for something for 10 grand. And most people who were in that boat where they're already drowning in debt, their focus is on the debt and how they have to pay it off and how they have to get rid of it. But you were able to just grab that debt and just say, it's there. I'm not going to focus on it. (laughs) This is $10,000. I'm already way further than that. So there's an opportunity here and there might not be, but either case I need to know. So mm-hmm. let's just go because I have nothing to left to lose. I'm going to jump in all in and just move forward. Yes. Now that could be considered courageous, right? I mean like, and, and this is part of the reason why entrepreneurs have that loneliness. And what I mean by that is because most people look at life through the eyes of beware, Mm-hmm. Every opportunity is the same for me, for you, for anyone watching this or listening mm-hmm. or anyone out there. You just have to choose in life whether you're going to behold or beware. Mm-hmm. Both options are there. Now, mm-hmm. again, there's got to be some sort of educational you know, thought to it, right? Like it's got to be an educated guess. It's just not jumping in in any random cliff. I mean, like you're not going to jump, go on top of Mount Everest and jump down because you think you're going to invent something that's going to make you fly before you hit the ground. Right. You know I mean? You would have been prepared for that. (laughs) Right. 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 So you saw an opportunity that might have been a flop, but it was still an opportunity and you took it. And then that led to something important Mm -hmm. to where you are today. Then right. it seemed like it, it, like based on the story, it seemed like you came back from that event and nothing transpired or nothing of value came from it.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: you didn't let that stop you either, which is very important. Key point. Right. So the other message here is when you have a dream and you have a focus, you're going to have to try a lot of things. You keep moving forward and you keep learning. Mm-hmm. Nothing is a failure unless you stop. Mm-hmm. Right? That's a so- good point exactly so I, I admire the fact that you were able to continue forward and you did find somebody through that connection because mm-hmm. of what you did and where you've been like every business and correct me if I'm wrong this has been how I've experienced business I find businesses about relationships about the people you get to know learn and grow with it's mm-hmm. who you are your network is your net worth you mm-hmm. know it's who you are surround yourself with and if you never try something new, you never reach beyond what your comfort zone is, and you keep doing the same things over and over and over, you're going to get the same results you've been getting all along.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: So, Yeah. And so, you know, kudos to you for going beyond that comfort zone and finding opportunities and looking for and realizing it when it's in front of you. You mm-hmm. you had a problem and you found a solution.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I do want to speak to that just a little bit because Absolutely. you brought up a good point that it's, it's, and, and that's what I try not to, I don't want this. I don't want it to seem like it's just airy fairy, just, you know, go with the flow and never, never. I started meditating 13 years ago, daily meditating. And what that did for me was it gave me clarity to tap into the wisdom. Like I said, in the gut, you know, the gut instinct um, there, we have neurons in our gut. We have neurons in our heart, just like we have neurons in our brain. But we're trained in the world we live in today to only use our neurons in our brain. We're not trained about the neurons in our heart and the neurons in our gut. And so what happens is the what the, we use our, we overuse our brain, and we don't tap into this gut instinct. And entrepreneurs entrepreneurs typically do tap into that because otherwise, how are you going to bring something new to the world if you're not tapped into that? What the meditation did for me, though, it helped me disconnect from the thoughts that would keep me from following what was correct when I I knew it was correct for me in my gut. And you know that, you know, you hear that, oh, I knew I felt it in my gut. I should have went with that and dang it. I wish I would have, or I knew my gut told me not to do that. And I did it anyway. And I regret it. Right. People say that a lot. So it's really learning and training yourself to listen to that gut instinct. And then when you do that, that's when the life force energy just wraps around you and brings your visions to life with a lot of power and ease.
0: Right. See, going to that gut feeling, this Mm -hmm. is one thing I've learned in my life, or I believe at least. And I mean, I think it touches upon around, you know, we all have a different way of looking at it, but it touches around the same point. Yes. And the way I look at it is I believe that our mind And our vision, and our senses work a lot faster than our conscious can process. Yes. And what happens is when we get that, sometimes you meet somebody and what ends up happening is the idea that they're trying to share with you sounds so great, but you got this pit in your stomach saying, don't do it. Don't Mm -hmm. do it. I don't Mm -hmm. trust it. I don't trust this person. It's not that you don't trust the person or you don't trust the idea or you got a bad feeling. What happened, as I said, your senses detected something that your conscious didn't ta- detect. And mm-hmm. what happens is you don't know what it is because it was a split second that it caught on.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's trying to tell you, hey, you're missing yes. something here. You know yes. what I mean? So, yes. And, and that's what I believe that gut feeling is. It is, yeah. is the fact that you're,
1: something your sense is caught that you mm-hmm. haven't been able to process. Yes, it's those neurons that are working. They're firing, right? Those neurons are processing information. They're constantly, and and those neurons can process energy. So it's processing the energy. You're reading the energy of the person, and your neurons are processing that and giving you that pit in your stomach. And I'll tell you, if you backtrack to the beginning of time when this whole previously to the lawsuit, the lawsuit was for an ex-employee. When that employee got hired, he was not hired by me. Um, I knew in the pit of my stomach, it was wrong. It was a wrong hire. It was not somebody I would have, um, let be in the business, but there was somebody else that was in charge of that. And they talked me out of it. So case in point, exactly. You're exactly right. We can, we can read information with those neurons that are in our heart and our gut.
0: 100%. Now what I want to touch upon something you said, um, A lot of the stuff you want to work on now has to do with uh, sort of a social aspect almost like a give back or some sort of thing that changes things for the better and where i want well my question is why is that important to you
1: oh i'm I'm glad you asked that well you got a lot of good questions the, when i started losing everything i was going through a heavy heavy grieving process i mean it was enormous you can imagine losing everything your lifestyle your your marriage your business everything you'd worked for up into that point so it was a really really heavy dark time for me and in the beginning i started coping with it by you know having a glass of wine or having a bottle of wine or drinking or eating some ice cream right i started um, numbing the grief that i was going through and i realized early on that i that that was not sustainable. I needed to um, find another mechanism to cope with the enormous grief without damaging my body um, and hurting my family further. So I ended up, what I found was if I was of service to other people, when I was serving others, that pain would lessen in me. So I threw myself into community service and I literally joined three or four boards of charities in the local, um, local area. Um, child and family guidance center, the, the homeless shelter, the homeless shelter for teenagers, like really just threw myself into service into this world. So I threw myself into a world that I wasn't even really aware of. I'm kind of ashamed to say. But what I saw happening over that, you know, seven year period where I was heavily involved in community service, I saw that we are having a mental health crisis in our world. And the needs for mental health help are going through the roof, but our ability to handle those needs is not growing at the same level, at the same trajectory. And so what I see is an unsustainable world that we have created. The world we live in really is breeding and grooming mental illness. And so as an entrepreneur, I'm saying we got to solve this problem and we need to solve it at the root cause, not just put a band-aid on the symptoms of what we're seeing. So at that point, you know, I just decided that I want to bring the power of business to solving social problems because I saw with charity, charity's great. And, you know, I kept raising money for the charities and donating money to the charities and, you know, bringing money into the charities, but it was like this constant black hole and we weren't dealing with the root cause. And so, in order to get to the root cause, you need some resources and you need solid resources and sustainable resources. And I thought, well, business is the way to generate sustainable resources. And you you do patented products. You're the only one in the market with mass market appeal. You're going to make a lot of money. So if we set up that kind of business, we can make a lot of money. We can start addressing these problems at the root cause. And part of what we're seeing is we're seeing mental illness in children as young as five. And this is definitely a sign that we have a problem in our society. So my thought is we can solve the mental health crisis we're in, in one generation, if we can get to the children. And how do we get to the children? We get to the children through their parents. So in this manufacturing plant that we're building out, this is the the bigger vision for IP to market, the manufacturing plant will actually wrap support around parents with young children. So our employees will be everyday people, right, that have young children. We have a day, we'll have a daycare on site for their young children to come and and where we can nurture them and love them and grow their brains. We'll have a commercial kitchen on site that provides breakfast, lunch and take home dinner so that the kids are getting the nutrients that they need. The parents are getting the nutrients they need and um, it takes a load of stress off of the parents. So that way we're wrapping support around them. Also part of this is what we're seeing is a lot of single moms that are in a position to where they have to decide when I have a sick kid, am I going to stay home and take care of my sick kid and lose my job? Or am I going to go to my job and send my sick kid to the daycare? Like that's the choice the mothers are facing. And so with this manufacturing plant, we will overstaff so that if, Moms need to stay home with their sick kids. We want them to stay home with their sick kids, but we want to create an environment that nurtures mental wellness. So we don't have people on the edge of, Oh my God, I'm going to lose my job all the time. So they can start to relax. They can start to unwind and they can start to uh, be more proactive in their life rather than reactive.
0: I love that. Um, one thing that caught on to there or what, you know, I've focused in on was, um, A lot of the stuff you do, like the masterminds and everything, including the factory thing that you're talking about right now, is very Mm woman-oriented. And I got a few questions about it. One of the questions is that, and maybe it's just me, but I've come across this a couple of times, do you ever feel the pressure or sort of external force where you feel like you have to keep up in in a man's world? Where a lot of the men don't feel the same things, you know, like they don't think of the child the way women are. Because that's usually why women are the nurturers and the, mm-hmm. you know, and then the caregivers. It's not that uh, men are too busy and women are just, you know, that's their place. No, not at all. What it is, is that just, I find just by natural, women are more nurturing by nature.
1: We're wired differently. Yes.
0: Yes. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, so in a way you're coming from a woman's perspective and you Mm -hmm. think about that stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. It's not like that as men, like, well, some men are, but most men are not really so heartless and cold where it's like, Hey, you should not be thinking of that. Shame on you. No, but it's one of those things that it's not a thought process. And I guess because of that role we play, but have you ever felt the pressure where you have to strive harder or push harder? or has it been easy for you to see the difference and then find your own path?
1: That's a good question. And I I don't, I think that I missed, I think there was a period of time where that was a reality for women. I think that I came in more on the back end of that. And it may be also that I was just more of an independent soul and didn't play the game or didn't play the role. I didn't do corporate life. And I think in corporations is where you typically see that a lot. Um, I was pretty much out on my own from a very young age. So I wasn't, I wasn't competing with others in that realm that you're speaking of, but I know it's a reality. I've, I've heard it from other, other people.
0: Right. Right. So, so right away, you found a way uh, to have your own path. It never came across you. And, and, I'm, you know, I'm saying that in a positive light. I'm not, I don't mean this uh, as a judgment in Iraq for lack of a better description. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I, I see a lot of different perspective, that I'm not used to seeing it. it's kind of refreshing in a good way. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's like you thought of that extra, you thought of those extra details
1: and, yeah. you know, that's kind of impressive, right? Like, like the daycare there, like, well, I, It's how women are wired. And this is, do you know, um, Mohammed Younes? Have you heard of Mohammed Younes?
0: No, I haven't actually.
1: He is a a philanthropist and an entrepreneur from India. And in the 70s, he decided his vision was that he wanted to help his country move out of poverty, like raise the level that his country was in poverty. Um, It was just a very impoverished state during that time. And what he focused on, he said, you know what, I have this theory. If I can bring the women into thriving, then I can change the next generation. And if I change, you know, if women are thriving, then their kids are thriving, their kids have more opportunity and women are wired to think about community. So if, if a woman is thriving, the people around her are gonna be thriving, her community is gonna be thriving. So I'm gonna focus on women. So he did. So he did these micro micro loans and set women up in business and, and taught them and helped them make money. And as he did this, The women got on their feet. They were able to make money. They were able to be in their power. They were able to offer more opportunities for their kids. Literally, he changed the entire country. He won the Nobel Peace Prize for his work. I think it was in 2006, 2007. And that was his focus on women. So when the women are thriving, the community is thriving. The world is thriving just because of the nature of how a woman thinks. And I'll give you a prime example of this. I have a friend who's in the mastermind, right? She's one of the mastermind members. She has an insurance agency. You think, how can an insurance agency change the world? Well, all of a sudden, a couple of years ago, she decided that working 40 hours a week was not giving her work-life balance and she wasn't able to spend time with her kid and do the things she wanted to do for her family. And her very next thought when she had this thought was, why are we working 40 hours a week? And then her next thought was, well, shoot, if I'm having this problem, I have three single moms that are working for me or two single moms that are working for me and other mothers. I bet they're having the same problem, probably worse than I am. So she so she went to her team and said, hey, y'all, if we can get as much work done in 30 hours that we do in 40 hours and we can keep the business sustainable and, and on a growth trajectory, I'll pay you guys for 40 and we'll work 30 and y'all go spend time with your kids. And so they all put their heads together and they figured out efficiencies so that they can work 30 hours a week doing the same amount of work and spend 10 extra hours with their kids each week. So now she's done that for all of her people that they get an extra 10 hours a week with their family that they didn't have before. And so as that spills out and other employers see this and they think, hey, wait a minute, if we add more efficiency disease, we can work less, not more, right, we can work less and make more, Um, that's, that will ripple out and change the society we live in. And that, of course, um, helps support mental wellness. And she thought she thought she expected her business, it was, you know, it was on a certain growth trajectory, and she expected it to flatten out just a little bit. She still, you know, she's gonna make sure it was still growing, but she expected it to flatten out. And it didn't, it kept growing at the same rate it was growing before
0: again that that's kind of good right so that's uh yeah. now it's good when we can find that i mean i i personally find in terms of uh balance i don't believe there's a such thing as a work life balance mm-hmm. and what i mean is that no i'm not saying oh there's no opportunity to be happy there's no opportunity for family i'm not saying that what i mean by i don't believe in work life Balance as and I don't believe that there's a nine to five uh Monday to Friday or work 30 hours or 40 hours or you gotta work 20 hours. I believe balance is different for every individual. And we all have different priorities and we are and in different places in our life. Yeah. Yes, so we're on different places agree. in our life. I completely agree. So yeah. So the balance is what is where you are that makes you feel happy in that moment. So, yeah, so that, that's my belief on balance, but it's good when you realize there's a fundamental problem and there's a, there's an opportunity to correct that and change that and make something that works better for everybody. That's a great opportunity. Mm-hmm.
1: And having the ability to spend more time with your kids when they're three, four, five, during those really, really rich developmental years is impactful.
0: Agreed. I, again, you know what? That's the thing, right? We all focus growing up. We all focus on material. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I want to have X amount of dollars. I want to have, you know, and everything we list, most of our goals are materialistic. Why? Because we're young and think we have the world ahead of us. We don't realize that the most important asset that we have, not only to give, but to maintain and enjoy is time. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: It's the one thing that can never be replaced.
1: So true. So true. So true. And we learn that through experience, though, it seems.
0: Exactly. So it's good, though. I mean, it was good for your friend who uh, recognized that it was a problem and it wasn't working, made an adjustment. Mm -hmm. So going forward with all this, like with that being said, what would like with all your new plans and all your your products coming out, where do you see your biggest um, problem being or like your biggest hurdle? I wouldn't say problem because problems are solvable, but hurdles can, you know, things to work towards?
1: I'd say the biggest hurdle right now is is raising funds. We Because we're not using traditional investors, because what do traditional investors want? A return on their investment. And we want to keep the profits in the company to do these um, social impact stuff that we want to do. So we for the first phase of fundraising, which was $80,000 for the molds, we went out to the community and found 10 community members that believed in the vision that wanted to see, you know, change in, in the environment and what we're doing. And they each invested $8,000. And um, so they were the found, we found the founding members. So we raised the first 80,000 with 10 community members. Phase two, we're actually gonna be doing a subscription service. So we're gonna have, um, anybody can, can have a subscription to our product line and we send out a product of the month. So through that, we'll develop, um, somebody will join the subscription, pay a flat rate each month, and then they get a product each month in exchange for that. And so what that do, does is it, it builds up ongoing revenue to help us pay for subsequent products that we launch in the future. So phase two and phase three is for products number two and product number three so we're in the works of getting putting that together so it's 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 not really a a problem it is a new way of funding uh, a business so we're not doing the traditional ways of funding
0: fantastic in uh, light of time i'm going to ask you two more questions and get into the lightning round question number one is how do you know you've had a successful day
1: When I lay my head on the pillow at night and I can smile and feel at peace.
0: Good answer. Uh, last question, but not least, where do people find you?
1: People can find me on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, my handle is the same on both. So it's Stacy, S-T-A-C-I dot, Renee, dot CEO.
0: Fantastic. Now, Getting into the lightning round, just a couple of fun questions. And question number one is, what is your favorite food?
1: Oh, my goodness. My favorite food, I'm going to have to say, is frozen yogurt. I I love frozen yogurt, and I love it with caramel toppings and um, peanut butter cups.
0: (laughs) Oh, wow. Interesting.
1: Favorite vacation spot? Favorite vacation spot would be anywhere warm on a beach. I'm not super picky. I just like the sunshine. I like warm and I like uh, a sandy beach with blue water.
0: Nice. Favorite book or podcast.
1: Okay. My all time favorite book um, would have to be the course of miracles, which is um, it's a spiritual book about what is a miracle and how do we, how do we, Become miracle workers in life. So that's the one that's probably been the most impactful for me. Nice. And last but not
0: least, if you were given an unlimited amount of money and you had 48 hours to spend it, wh- whatever you spend, you get to keep. What you don't spend gets taken away. What would you do?
1: I would invest. I would invest in social impact businesses all across the land. That's what I would do. I've actually, I've actually given quite a bit of thought to that.
0: Fantastic. Stacey, thank you for being on the show.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me, and thanks for doing what you do. You have a really good way of asking questions.
0: Thank you so much. If you like what you saw and you want to see more episodes, subscribe to the link below.